Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, it's Julie, and welcome to the Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk all things green and growing that God gave us. Today's episode is on purslane. Purslane, what's that? Well, you know we've been doing the weed series, and this is the last one in the weed series. Um, But you'll be relieved to know that all of the eight plants that we've covered, including today, uh, will be included in a book and recipes and an additional two more weeds will be added to that. So be looking for that probably in the new year. It will be called The Backyard Herbalist, and it'll be loads of fun, so you'll be able to not only listen to these episodes again, but have them in your hand so you can refer to them and enjoy weeds as they were meant to be enjoyed. So today, as I said, we're going to talk about purslane, and purslane is an interesting plant, okay? The Latin name is Portulaca oleraceae. It is an old plant, as most weeds and plants are, obviously. Um, The seeds were found in the modern United States as far back as 1000 BC. So they've been around here for a long time, but even going back quite far in Europe and in other parts of the world, South Africa, India, North Africa, uh, it's been in use. Um, They think that it originated in North Africa because this plant is a succulent. What is a succulent? A succulent is, you know, when you think of, of that, you think of a desert plant because it's very fleshy and it feels like it's filled with water. And that is what purslane feels like, the leaves especially. So that's what they think. But nobody really knows for sure where purslane originally came from. But it was was known to the ancients. The records show that Greeks, Romans, Persians, India, Indians, uh, they all ate it as a vegetable. And it, it... can be quite tasty. Uh, we'll get to more about that in a little bit. It's most commonly added to salads. Uh, it, it sometimes is blanched and served up with some oil and vinegar as well. And some old recipes talk about pickling it. Uh, I, I would really like to try that. I, I'm, I'm adventurous. I wonder what that would be like. But it was primarily cultivated in gardens as a vegetable. And even today, it's used in French cooking for the soup that it, it also has sorrel in it. 
uh, in a soup called Bani Feme. I hope I said that right. I'm not sure. But anyway, it means good woman. Uh, and it it's found everywhere, as I mentioned. But purslane uses go back go go much farther than just vegetables, even though that is still its most common use. As with most plants, they're, they're not just used as vegetables, they're used in many ways. Um, <laughs> what a blessing to us. So ancient people would use it for urinary complaints, dry coughs and shortness of breath, and for inflammation and sores. Some of the ancient people, I'll give some names that you can look up. It's a great history lesson. Dioscorides um, in the first century AD. So around the same time as the Apostle John was writing, he, this Dioscorides, he recommended the leaves of purslane for headaches, heartburn, kidney and bladder ailments, and he mentioned that the juice soothes the eyes. Well, the juice comes from the watery sap of the uh, stems of the plant. And then just a couple centuries later, Galen, who I've mentioned before, was a known physician at the time. He considered it nearly a heal-all plan, like the, just just use purslane for everything, which some some plants are kind of like that, that they're good for a lot of things. Uh, but he, that's what he thought. And then a few centuries after that, in the 16th century, the G- famous German physician Leonard Fuchs wrote about plantain as being used for inflamed eyes. Again, bladder and kidney ailments, again, so the uses are consistent over time. But he also added toothaches and sunstroke. I don't know how he came up with that, but toothaches and and sunstroke. So you just use the juice is what he was talking about. One of the important uses of of purslane was that they would use it for scurvy, to prevent scurvy. And, you know, that was before they discovered, you know, lemons, perhaps, and, and taking those on voyages and that. But they, they would use it for, for scurvy. Um, and then once it got to the Americas, which, you know, we said that they found the seeds as far back as 1000 B.C., uh, but it was one of the plants that came with the colonists because it just grew wild and then... When the colonists brought it with them, they would plant it on purpose. So I mentioned that it was a vegetable that's cultivated in gardens. So much like some of the other plants that we now consider weeds, they brought it for food and medicine and put it in the garden. Well, when they brought it, they introduced it to the natives here who, you know, maybe they didn't find it in the wild. Or maybe they weren't really sure uh, what to do with that. But, or maybe it's more like the colonists knew and the Indians knew and they just started talking to each other. But at any rate, we found out that the Cherokees use fresh purslane juice for earaches. The Iroquois would put the fresh juice on 
burns and bruises, and they would use it as an antidote to bad medicine. Um, I'm not sure what that means, bad medicine. Uh, The Navajo would use the plant as a heal-all, just like Galen would say. Interesting. And uh, they would use it for scarlet fever. They'd rub the whole body with the juice. Can you imagine? If you, if you know what this plant looks like, it's not a very big plant. Trying to get enough juice to rub it over the whole body would be quite a trick. But I guess they did. They must have found enough to do that. So I do have some interesting quotes from some people who have encountered uh, purslane and used it through history. So (laughs) John Parkinson, a contemporary of the 16th century herbalist John Gerard, he wrote in his book, Paradisus Insole Paradisus Terrestris, Interesting, if you can translate the Latin, it, he, it's kind of a pun on his own name. Uh, but he wrote that purslane is not only a remedy for a crick in the neck, but also blasts by lightning or planets and for burnings by gunpowder or otherwise. Quite imaginative. Henry David Thoreau, much more familiar to us, he wrote about purslane in his book, Walden. He said, I learned that a man may use as simple a diet as the animals and yet retain health and strength. I have made a satisfactory dinner on several accounts simply off a dish of purslane, which I gathered in my cornfield, boiled and salted. Yet men have come to such a pass that they starve not for want of necessaries, but for want of luxuries. And um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that Walden was a Christian. Uh, he's, uh, it's, that's debatable. Um, but uh, the, the quote that he made about Simplicity versus luxury really speaks to me. Maybe it speaks to you that God provides what we need and sometimes we're not satisfied. And I think that's true with the plant world as well, um, that God provides for us. And, um, And he provides in the most marvelous ways and the the plants provide all the nutrition we need and it provides the uh the helps that we need for all of the systems of the body so that they can function at their optimum and sometimes we still seek other things that man-made that are not good for us, but they taste really, really good and are hard to resist. It's a lot like temptation and how the devil tempts us with things that look really good and delicious on the outside, but are poison on the inside. And I think that's a great analogy uh, for how God helps us with this creation and yet we often don't see it. So I I encourage you to explore the weeds, those weeds in our in your backyard. 
including purslane, as uh, Thoreau mentioned, that uh, that God provides for us. Um, but you know, how would you even be able to find it if you don't know what it looks like? So I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It is a low-growing plant, like an ivy, and it has uh, reddish stems that branch out. They're rather, they're kind of thick, and um, but they're very fleshy, so it's not a woody plant. As I mentioned, it's a succulent. So the leaves look like little green paddles. They're smooth like a succulent's uh, leaves look. Um, although on most true succulents, what looks like leaves are actually branches, but that's another episode. <laughs> They're actually stems. Um, but uh, so the leaves are kind of fat and smooth and shiny, but not real large. And they're a dark green and they come off of the reddish, thick, fleshy stems. And it, they, they branch all over the ground. It's kind of a low-growing plant. It doesn't have a stalk or anything like that, like the dandelions and chicory and things like that. And um, the an important note is that the sap of the stems is a watery, clear kind of liquid. If you have a milky sap, that is a poisonous look-alike. So don't harvest that. So you might want to check before you harvest that. And um, it has little yellow flowers, but the flowers only open in the sunny morning. You may not even notice them at other times of the day because they're small and, you know, they'll be all closed up. And the seeds are these little black seeds that are in a capsule that opens at the top. And it's like a little lid. Now, the interesting thing about these seeds is that they they will still germinate 40 years later. So if you think that you've gotten rid of the purslane that's crawling all over your yard by pulling it up, wrong. It will probably pop up again year after year after year. I have to say, I, ha I found purslane growing in one of my clay pots it's a large pot in my backyard and I, like I've never seen it in the in the ground in my yard I it just all of a sudden popped up in the pot so those tiny seeds must have come in there from somewhere a neighbor or something blew in there and uh and there it's all over in this pot very nice it's not going to spread over my yard but um, it just shows that it may have been, the seeds may have been sitting in the soil that is in that pot for a long time because that, that pot has not had any plants in it that I put in there for some time. So, but, um, they, they will last a long time. Just beware. <laughs> so today, uh, as I, it, it is a, eaten as a vegetable all over the world, not just France, but in other places as well. And it is used as animal feed. And modern research has discovered that this plant has a lot of vitamins and minerals, so it's high in vitamin C and E. 
It's high in iron, magnesium, manganese, and potassium. And there are other vitamins and minerals in this plant. It's very nutritious. Just Those are just the things that it's highest in. Um, and, you know, you would naturally know that a lot of those things are very supportive to the immune system and to the heart and circulatory system as well. Uh, so if nothing else, add it to your salads, right? Uh, it's freely available everywhere. Uh, as a reference, you can look at the picture uh, that comes, that is the uh, company picture for this episode, and it has a picture of purslane there, so that can help you. Uh, as I mentioned, be careful that you have the real purslane and not the poisonous lookalike. And also, like all plants, the levels of different chemicals in the plant can change from year to year and from location to location. So purslane, depending on where it's growing and what kind of year it's been, there have been animals that have gotten sick from eating too much purslane. Now think of a big cow just eating all purslane all the time. There have been cases where they get sick because of high levels of oxalates and nitrates in the purslane because of the the amount of rainfall that year, the type of soil that the purslane was growing in. So you can safely eat purslane. Just, you know, don't be having it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, which I'm sure you won't. So uh, there haven't been any cases of anybody getting super sick or anything like that from eating purslane. I just wanted to share with you what can happen with animals that, um, because I know some of you may have some of your own animals. So just be careful of that if you've got, uh, if you're raising rabbits or goats or something in your yard and they're tending to eat a lot of that. So just keep them safe. And tune in next week. We're going to start a new series. I'm very excited because now we're heading into the holiday season and I have so many good things to share with you. So God bless and make sure to connect with me on Facebook at Julie Naturally or on Instagram at Successful.Unschooler. Bye for now. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at CrunchyChristianPodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless.